a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling everything's going my way. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. It's 2021 as I record this. It's the summer. It's a beautiful day outside. Anyway, uh, great show today. I think you're really going to enjoy this. Uh, George Jessel stops by. And George Jessel doesn't appear in all that many things, it doesn't seem like. Uh, he was definitely the comedian's comedian. If you were going to have a roast of somebody or if you were going to um, have some sort of uh, a presentation or something, you would have him there as the moderator and host. Um, he was great. I'm surprised he wasn't bigger in Radium necessarily, but I think he was one of those guys that... Uh, just love to go and perform for people and that maybe radio wasn't as big of a draw for him sort of like a stand-up comedian that uh, just loves doing stand-up and of course we know the ones better who get a television show or something like that but there's some amazing comedians out there and George Jessel was one of those also um, some of his jokes are more kind of inside ball to uh, the entertainment industry and so forth so they, they can be a little harder for audiences to get maybe maybe but certainly everybody in the entertainment industry looked up to him and uh, wanted him to um, to be on their shows and so forth uh, also he was a little older than most of them I think so he was definitely kicking around in vaudeville and that sort of thing so anyway you get a chance to enjoy him uh, Martha Tilton's on here in 1939 she had a number one hit with um and the angels sing and i think you're going to enjoy uh, her performances on here she was huge throughout the 1940s and i think uh, you'll really get a, a kick out of the work that she does on this particular episode in fact some of the things that she does on here she sings uh, how high the moon which is um fun song to sing i always love how high the moon uh bing does row 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 which is an interesting version um i'm sure if you've listened to a lot of my shows you're probably used to uh phil harris singing row 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 uh which he does <laughs> phil really does a fun job bing i can tell it's not his the most fun song for him to do um it, it probably is a little bit of work to get it to come out the right way. Um, he even stumbles a little bit throughout the song, so which is not typical of, of Bing. Uh, he sings with George Jessel on California Moon, so I think you're going to enjoy that as well. Um, and then after that, we have the Railroad Hour, and today's Railroad Hour is The Gypsy Princess, and it has in it a guest starring on it is actor from Gunsmoke on, he played Doc on Gunsmoke, Howard McNear. He's been a little bit of everything this week. We had him on a CBS radio workshop earlier this week. And he, of course, is always on Gunsmoke. We had him on, um, we've had him a number of times on Fort Laramie with Raymond Burr. He's just a great actor and it's so much fun to hear him. So this would be a great episode if you listen to, if you don't normally listen to my Railroad Hours I put on here. Uh, just don't get enough chance to talk. I mean, Gordon McRae is such a fantastic singer. I'm so glad I can bring these to you. And some people really enjoy them, probably more than they enjoy the Bings. But uh, I just love Bing, and it's nice to have another musical show to put on with his. And uh, I just enjoy the difference in the two shows. Uh, tonight's episode, I thought it was interesting. I've got a book on the history of uh, the Railroad Hour written by Gerald Wilson and Martin Grahams that I would suggest if you love to 
the show and would like to read more about it. In this one, it describes it as, um, it says, the Gypsy Princess first opened in 1915 in wartime Vienna and has a special place in operetta history for its affectionate of evocation of cafe society and the aristocratic frivolity that was swept away in the aftermath of the first world war and if that doesn't get you tuning in i don't know what will so anyway enjoy these shows and we'll be back with a few more bings sorry we got a little off this year and presenting them on time but it's okay it gives us stuff to listen to throughout the summer so enjoy and we'll see you next time Only one, only one cigarette, Chesterfield, gives you mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. And that's the biggest plus in cigarette history. By Chesterfield, Chesterfield, the one that proves its case. Yes, Chesterfields are milder, milder, plus no aftertaste. So ho, open a pack and give them a sniff, then you smoke them. Someone waits for me. This is Ken Carpenter welcoming you to the Bing Crosby Show for Chesterfield, produced and transcribed at the Marine Memorial Theater in San Francisco, with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Collins with the mayors and Bing's guests, Mr. George Jessel and Miss Martha Tilton. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you a man who has just completed a motor trip through the northwestern portion of the United States and Vancouver, British Columbia, Mr. Bum Crosby. I see. Uh, uh huh, Bum. Uh, you, you're aware of the little Canadian caper that I was recently involved in up there I'm above aware the border? Of it. I read it in all the papers. You really got the bums rush, didn't you? I got the biggest, coldest brush you've ever seen. <laughs> well, it's your own fault, Bing, the way you dress. What do you mean, the way I dress? Oh, I saw a picture of you in the paper. What you needed a shave, you're uh -huh. wearing a floppy hat and a beat-up old jacket, and you had a tin cup in your left hand. <laughs> Didn't you notice the handful of pencils I had in the right hand? <laughs> Well, Ken, actually, no matter what you think, I want to tell you something. I had very little trouble getting a room at the Hotel Vancouver. No, you didn't, huh? No, I didn't. Uh, when rebuffed, I, I walked across the street. I checked into another hotel. I took a bath, shaved, changed clothes, went back to the Vancouver, walked up to the desk, and got a room with very little trouble. <laughs> no trouble at all. Uh... nothing. Practically <laughs> Bing, nothing. I was, I've been wondering ever since that. Was the hotel clerk punished or uh, chastised in any way because no, he didn't no, recognize this you? Is, this is surprising, Ken. What? It's amazing. But as a matter of fact, uh, dubious honor has been heaped upon him. Honor? Uh, yes, sir. What do you mean? He's been appointed president of the Bob Hope fan club up there. <laughs> Say, isn't that something? Well, it certainly is, and it serves him right. <laughs> I think what threw the fellow really, what really put him into a tizzy, a complete snit, was my hat. Your hat? Yes. I had hundreds of trout flies hooked into the band and onto the brim, you know, oh. off the face. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Why should that frighten the room clerk? Well, he thought there were real bugs, I guess. I don't think he did. Well, then why did he spray me with a flit gun? <laughs> Well, the biggest laugh I got out of the whole story was when you said the next time you go to Vancouver, you're going to wear a blue serge suit. <laughs> Why should that give you a laugh? Because I'm... you don't have a blue serge suit. Oh, yes, I do. As a matter of fact, Gary is graduating from high school in it this week. <laughs> right down here at Bellarmine on the peninsula. Yeah, but yeah. Gary's much bigger than you are. Well, he'll squeeze into the suit or I'll break both his <laughs> collarbones. <laughs> well... <laughs> Sign that boy permanently. <laughs> Book him. Look, anyhow, Bing, I'll bet you didn't have any trouble getting a room here in San Francisco. I certainly uh, didn't. The clerk didn't even notice how I was dressed. Sure. I just walked right up, signed the register. I was shown to a room without the slightest difficulty. Naturally. Where are you living? The palace, St. Francis? I'm at the Seaman's Rescue Mission. <laughs> I have a lovely room there overlooking several roommates. <laughs> all salty old sailors, all of them, too. Oh, you're kidding. I'm not kidding. Of course, I do think I'd better go down to 3rd Street tonight and have a mermaid tattooed on my chest. What for? <laughs> well, you know, 
All those sailors, Ken. I feel like a sissy in the showers. <laughs> well, I, I suppose if you're going to move in those social circles, you should sport a little Technicolor I decor. Th <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I'm glad you concur, Ken. Now, by way of opening tonight, here's a, a, a timely tune. It fits the season and everything. It's got a lot of mileage on it. It is kind of an oldie, but, but it's a good one. Young Johnny Jones, he had a cute little boat And all the chickens he would take for a float He had girlies on the shore Sweet little peaches by the score But Johnny was a wise and hymer, you know His steady girl was Flo And every Sunday afternoon She'd jump in his boat and it'd spoon And then he'd row, row, row Way up the river he would row, row, row A hug he'd give her and he'd kiss her now and then She would tell him when He'd go around and pull around And then he'd kiss again And then they'd row, row, row A little further they would row, 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 row then he'd drop both his oars, take a few more encores, and then he'd roll, 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 roll. Right in his boat, he had a cute little seat, and every kiss he stole from Flo was so sweet. And he knew just how to roll. He was a rowing Romeo. <laughs> he knew an island where the trees were. I'm a little old for this. He knew just where to land. And tales of love, it tells her flow until it was time for them to go. Then he would row, row, row. Way up the river, he would row, row, row. A hug he'd give her and he'd kiss her now and then. She would tell him when he'd go around. <laughs> Did he back there? A little further he would row, 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 row. Then he'd head, he would rest, 20 bars rest, and then he'd row, oh, row, row, row. Then he'd row, row, row. Bing and kids, very sprightly. Well, it goes better with a straw hat, a blazer, and a pom-pom, <laughs> but that's the best I could do with this wardrobe. Well, I, uh, hmm. I guess it's about time to sell the folks from Chesterfields, huh? Oh, Bing? yes, Ken, and let's read in the wire. Yeah. Folks, we have a telegram here that's so important, I want to read it to you right now. It's addressed to the Chesterfield people, and it says, quote, A panel of five, all members of the faculty of the College of Liberal Arts of the University of New Hampshire, has just completed for our foundation its survey and appraisal of cigarette advertising. The advertising copy of five leading cigarettes was subjected to scrutiny and study. You'll be pleased to know that only Chesterfield advertising was judged entirely free from misleading statements or false claims. This is the unanimous opinion of the panel. The honesty of your advertising is indicative of the honesty of your product. Signed, W. Keith Simpson, Director, Newington Foundation. You know, folks, that telegram hits the nail right on the head. That's right. Folks, this telegram tells you that when we say Chesterfield gives you mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste, you know we're steering you right. What's more, when we tell you Chesterfield is the best cigarette for you to smoke, you know that's the truth, too. So always buy Chesterfield. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present one of our foremost singing stars, the feminine singing half of Kurt Massey time, Miss Martha Tilton. Martha, just before we proceed or go any further here, I want to tell you that it's very nice of your sponsor, the Alka-Seltzer people, to let you fly up tonight and help us out in the program here. Well, glad to do it, Bing. You know, trying to find a girl for the show is really getting to be a headache for me, Martha, but you're here and everything is all right. Oh, good old Alka-Seltzer always comes through. Oh, nice little job. <laughs> sure it does. What are you going to sing for us, Martha? Do you like uh, How High the Moon? I adore That's a great tune, How High the Moon. And I can't think of anybody who can give it a better belting around than you can, Martha. <laughs> you. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the finest singers in our business, this young lady, and a delightful young lady she is to boot, as you can see. Lilton Martha Tilton singing How High the Moon. 
sing to. That was nicely turned, Martha. Really, it was. It's my turn now, and I've got an awful lot of courage trying to follow you with that, because that was so stylish. But I've got a recent uh, Decca disc that's going very big now in some sections of Sausalito. <laughs> this, uh... <laughs> I have my spies out, they tell me. Quite well there. This is called Kisas Kisas. Senorita says no, and I believe her, but oh, why do her eyes say quizás, quizás, quizás? That Spanish moon is brighter tonight, it must know something all right. That's why her eyes say quizás, quizás, quizás. Should go back and dance with the rest of the dancers. And yet I have the feeling that her heart's not in her ass. The lovely senorita says no, but I'm not willing to go. Not while her eyes say, quizás, quizás, quizás. Que te pregunto que cuando come donde no siempre me respondes quizás 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 the lovely señorita says no says no says no but why do her eyes say maybe Should go back and dance with the rest of the dancers, and yet I have the feeling that her heart's not in her answer. The lovely senorita says no, but I'm not willing to go, not while her eyes say. Could be. Thank you very much, Drew. You're in fine form tonight. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present one of our best-known citizens, a prominent motion picture producer, bon vivant, raconteur, fine actor, Great after-dinner speaker, the Toastmaster General of the United States, Mr. George Jessel. 
Thank you very much, Bing. Thank you. <laughs> that was a very nice introduction, and you were very kind to mention the various fields in which I try to excel. Oh, I could have said more, Georgie. Yes, you could. Yeah. <laughs> what could you have said well, more? Well, I could have pointed out that you were also a great lover. Oh, now, Bing, Bing, let's keep my introduction current. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? You wouldn't care to just take a stroll down memory lane? Not too far, Bing. No. <laughs> Well, you're looking wonderful, Georgie. Actually, you're wonderful. Your attire is so impeccable. It double-breasted gray does so much for you. You're dressed in the height of fashion. You really look pretty sharp. Well, I wouldn't say that I look sharp, but at least I don't get thrown out of hotels for looking like a bum. <laughs> I can't understand how they could do that. Don't you own that hotel? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, don't stand there and tell me you never had any trouble getting into a hotel. Never in my entire career have uh... I had trouble checking into a hotel. <laughs> Checking out, this is something else. <laughs> you lower the baggage down the <laughs> Bing, I'm worried about What's you. What's the matter? What's bothering it you? It hurts me to think that you would be mistaken for a schnorrer or a hobo. <laughs> and I'm sorry that you don't have any decent clothes. And I... Really, I'd offer you money, but it happens that I don't have any. Well, that's sweet of you, Georgie, but I don't need any. I do offer me some. <laughs> Don't tell me you're short of money. What are you going to do in your old age? Well, I'm doing very nicely. Thank you. <laughs> you're still a boy yet. True, you're a little gray around the temples, but I'm also gray outside of the temples. <laughs> and I go to a great many. I'd like to have you. <laughs> Good for you, bully. But you're youthful in spirit. You don't say bully about a temple. That doesn't fit at all. Dolphin Gates of College, eh? Yeah. <laughs> But you're youthful in spirit, and your viewpoint is youthful, George. That's what I mean. You always have two or three pictures in production. You, you attend this party and that party. You're flying here, flying there, making after-dinner speeches. You're in the nightclubs, dancing with this beauty and that beauty. I also collect stamps, you know. <laughs> yes, I've got a Chilean <laughs> special delivery that'll kill you, really. You get anything from Bolivia there. You're loaded. But I always wanted to ask you one question, George. This has always been in the back of my mind. You must have attended thousands of banquets and dinners, huh? Y yes, I have. All over the country. As a matter of fact, I'm the world's leading consumer of fruit cocktails, chicken a la king, romaine salad, blue cheese and crackers, and let us not forget celery and olive. No. <laughs> which I should have mentioned before the fruit cocktail. <laughs> now watch those things, George. Isn't it tough talking to an audience who's just finished eating and a big meal? And mm -mm, hot, mm, not at all. You see, an audience that has just eaten is a contented audience. Therefore, they take a friendly and appreciative attitude toward the speaker. They're never in danger, then, of being booed or hissed. No, I've been burped at a time. <laughs> but I don't recall ever being booed or hit. What brings you to San Francisco, John? I'm glad you asked yes, me I that, I didn't Christian. get to the, really the vibe. I am here in the interest of a new 20th Century Fox picture, which will be out in a few months, produced by me, called Golden Girl. Hmm. This is the story of Bing of Lotta Crabtree, oh, fabulous yes. dancer and singer who was the toast of this area during the gold rush days. And the Lotta Crabtree Fountain still stands here on Market Street in San Francisco. It was erected as a watering place for horses. Yes, I know. I, <laughs> That's I often, true. I know. I often stop there for a drink when I come to town. <laughs> on horseback. Yes, I, I never... I water my stock there. Yeah. yeah. And I believe that, too. <laughs> Any man that had come into Waldorf on an ox would do anything. <laughs> Bing, in this picture, Golden Girl, there was a lovely song called California Moon. And I thought... Uh, George, just a minute. How, how are you singing these days? Well, now, sometimes I sing like Mar Mario Lanza. That's when you're on Hadacall, I think. <laughs> you can't do that straight. Sometimes I sing like Eddie Nelson. No, that's Nelson Eddie. I can't sing with <laughs> get, the yes. fog, get the fog out of the monocle. <laughs> Sometimes I sing like Nelson Eddy. Uh, that's very good. <laughs> but of course, very many times I sing like Georgie Jessel. Well, I think that's what kills it for you. Now, just a minute. <laughs> I want you to know that at the moment I'm singing fine, and Tallulah Bankhead let me sing on her last program. Well, unfortunately, this isn't our last one. <laughs> we, we have a few opportunities. Wait a minute. I will fix this for you. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Here's a thought. Maybe we can do the song together. 
Well, now this song. Now, folks, this is titled California Moon. Lyrics by George Jessel and Sam Lerner. And the music by Joe Cooper. Now, this song is from my forthcoming 20th century picture, Golden Girl. The story of Lotta Crabtree, who was never chased out wait, of any hotel, minute, any place. Sure. <laughs> all right. In all right. We did all well, that. go ahead, sing Okay. <laughs> Romance in every night Underneath the light Of the bright California moon Even lonesome pines Seem to kiss the clinging vines Neath the bright California moon then I asked my star above Send the love I'm dreaming of And we'll share the rare delight In the magic of a night Neath the bright California moon Instead of the voice of Firestone tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you the masked tenor of Beverly Hills. You'll be snug as a bug in the still of the night when you're under the wonderful thrill of the light of the biggest and best in the east and the west. If you give it a test, you can leave all the rest of the wonderful moon. If you're sighing and trying to find a romance, just remember a kiss will have more of a chance And your heart will be dancing when you get a glance that is full of romance You'll be put in a trance by the beautiful moon When <laughs> you'll ask your star above He'll be glad to send the love you're dreaming of Hand in hand you'll share in that rarest delight when you're kissed in the mystical, magical light Of a bright California Bing, uh, yeah. I just had a great idea. Why don't we make June our national switch to Chesterfield's month? Oh, Ken, I don't know. It might be kind of tough messing around with June. That's the month of romance, the month of brides. Oh, know. they won't mind, Bing. Chances are most of the honeymooners are Chesterfield fans anyway. Everybody knows Chesterfield and romance go hand in hand. That's right. The prettiest girls all go for the fellas with Chesterfields. What's, what say we tell the folks why? Well, it's because Chesterfield gives you those famous ABCs plus no unpleasant aftertaste. That's the biggest plus in cigarette history. Yep, Chesterfields are always milder. Better tasting, cooler smoking, and Chesterfield is the cigarette that leaves no unpleasant aftertaste. Science discovered it. You can prove it. Like the man says, science discovered that of all brands tested, only Chesterfields leave no unpleasant aftertaste. Latch onto a pack and see for yourself. Do like the jingle says. By Chesterfield, Chesterfield, the one that proves its case. Yes, Chesterfield's a milder, milder, plus no aftertaste. So ho, open the pack and give them a sniff. Then you'll smoke them. said goodbye, I'm sorry, from the bottom of my heart, dear, I apologize, if I caused you pain, I know I'm to blame, I must have been insane, Believe me, from the bottom of my heart. 
apologize I realize I've been unfair to you Please let me make amends Don't say that you forgot the love we knew After all we were more than friends If I've made you blue I've had heartaches too Now I beg of you Forgive me From the bottom of my heart, dear I I've made you blue I've had heartaches too Now I beg of you Forgive me From the bottom of my heart Dear I apologize I That's the wrapper for this evening. Now our deepest thanks to Miss Martha Tilton for joining us this evening. Oh, I enjoyed it very much, Bing. Thanks, Martha. I also enjoyed appearing with you, Mr. Crosby. <laughs> well, I'm glad you can, Maxwell. And I do want you to drop in again real soon. Huh? Now, what do you mean, real soon? Four years ago I was on your program. You said the same thing. This is real soon with you? <laughs> I'll get in touch with you real soon, Georgie. All right, and by the way, mm. who's going to be with you next week? Because if you really meant that real soon stuff, this could be me. You know? Oh, well, George, I... We have made some very extensive plans and some elaborate bookings. We that? have next week Mr. Bert Wheeler and some other clever and entertaining folks who have not yet made themselves available. Oh. <laughs> but our, our scouts are beating the bushes. They'll come up with somebody that'll just fracture the entire nation. Thanks again to you, George, and to Martha for coming tonight. Ken, will you move in here, please? Right, Bing. Don't forget, folks, June 17th is Father's Day. You can show him what a great guy you think he is by giving him a carton of his favorite cigarettes, Chesterfield. We got a wonderful new gift carton for Pop with a place for you to write your own greeting. You'll find it at your favorite Chesterfield dealer. Now remember, for Father's Day, well, for any day, it's Chesterfield. See you next week for Chesterfield, folks. The best cigarette for you to smoke. The Bing Crosby Show, presented by Chesterfield, was produced and transcribed in San Francisco by Bill Morrow and Murdo McKenzie. Tune in next week and hear Bing and his guests, Mr. Bert Wheeler and other scintillating personalities. <laughs>
Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Yes, tonight another great musical success is brought to you by the American Railroad. The same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now here is our star, Gordon McRae. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, we're bringing you a musical fantasy. In it, I'm a prince named Ronald. Yarmina Novotna is silver, a beautiful star of the operetta stage and glittering society cafe. Known throughout the mythical countries where our fairy tale takes place as the Gypsy Princess. and gaiety. My father's a hard, cold man. In fact, he's insisting now that I return to my own country. Yes, brother, but when your father was young... Oh, Ronald, uh, Lord Bonneton, how delightful. Silver, how beautifully you sang. You're even lovelier than I remembered you. <laughs> Could such a change take place in one fall today? Uh, if you two would excuse me, I... Oh, Lord Boniface, don't run away. No, no, don't be in a hurry. But I can see from the light in you two young people's eyes that I'll be much more welcome somewhere else. Well... Uh, besides, the ladies of the chorus is finished, and there's one of them that I'm anxious to have a little uh, oh, chat with. Oh, we understand, <laughs> Bonnie. Good luck, Boniface. Oh, thank you. A man my age needs it. I'm afraid Lord Boniface is in for some competition tonight. Why, all of the men here are eager to win the favor of the ladies of the chorus. However, about you, Prince Arnold? Oh, that's something that every man goes through at one time or another. But that's all behind me. My eyes and my heart are fastened on a star. We're glad to come from college. We've read the book of knowledge. Except perhaps its most absorbing page. It's most absorbing page. Romantic education begins with gravitation towards the lovely sirens of the, the lovely sirens of the day. 
in years of indiscretion, we have the same obsession, and frequently we get the crazy news. The glamour that transcends the charm of other ladies' friends. First of all, this limelight lends enchantment to the view. But when we see them closer and hear them murmur, oh, sir, you're very kind and I don't mind, provided I can bring a pal or two. We succumb to the craze for the nimble caught a face our elders and betters had before us. Meet them, we treat them, we take them out to dine. We pet them, we let them monopolize us. Before very long, we are going rather strong, believing they honestly adore us. Sympathetic, strenuous, excitable, ingenuous, engaging little ladies of the chorus. With a smart pair of holes and a nice powdered nose And eyes that provoke and implore us They fool us, they rule us, we never stand a chance They coax us, they coax us, but there God bless all their dear little hearts If they don't aspire to part, their faces and figures simply floor us Their witcheries continuous, the slender shapely sinuous Enticing little ladies of the chorus. The danger of the horrible people learning the chorus. Enticing little darlings of the chorus. There are some very charming girls in our chorus, Ronald. Silver, I'm in love with only you. I want you to marry me. Oh, Ronald. In your country, princes don't marry to speak. Singers, you can't defy your father. But I know what we can do. In this country, a marriage performed by a notary is binding, provided it is followed by a church ceremony within three months. Read this, my princess. I, Ronald, the Prince of Cotonac, do hereby most solemnly declare that I say Silva Barescu to be my lawful wedded wife. And that within three months I will confirm this contract before God and the world. Oh, Ronald. In the three months this gives us, I know I can work things out with my father. So you will, Silva. Oh, Ronald. How can I say no when my heart is crying yes? An unsparing giver, generous and brave and free. Passion is a pleasing, fond emotion, volatile as morning dew. Love is an eternal, deep devotion. Such a love is mine, sweet for you. Pity me, I pray, and plead no longer, lest the day we 
return to my own country and I will send for you in a very short time, my darling. I will never permit the heir to my throne to marry a stage performer. You hear me? Never. I shall announce your engagement to the Countess Stasi at once. Won't do any good, Father. I have hoped for your blessings before Sylvan and I have our religious ceremony. But if you will not grant them, I'll marry her without them. Don't forget, we have already had our civil ceremony. In this country, only a religious ceremony is valid. That you will never have. I shall announce your engagement. I'll never marry the Countess Stasi's father. I'll never marry anyone but my gypsy princess. You mustn't leave, Silver. Ronald will send for you. You have his word for it. Ronald's word means very little. He left me to return to his own country and talk to his father. Everyone knows the result of that conversation. Ronald's engagement to Countess Stasi has been announced. It's all over for Ronald and me. It's all over. I shall never return to this country or to him. There must be a way. In our hearts, Sylvan and I are married. There can never be another. Oh, love is love that pays the price. Endure and selfless sacrifice to find that last word. Now here is the second act of The Gypsy Princess, starring Gordon McRae and his guest star, Yarmila Novotna. allows you to complete your marriage contract with Silva. It's no use now, Mother. I was unable to find Silva. She left me only this note. My dear Ronald, it was a gay and lovely interview, but I'm sure you didn't take our civil ceremony any more seriously than I did. And to me, it was an amusing way to say goodbye. I wish you and your bride to be every happiness. Oh. My poor Ronald. There are only a few days of our three months left, Mother. When they are passed, I shall marry the Countess Stanton. You shouldn't. You no, know, you shouldn't have run away from Robin and left him only that note, Sylvia. Oh, Bonnie, I know it now. I must see him again. And in another day, it will be too late. Take me to the court of Ronald's father, Bonnie. And introduce me as your wife.
tomorrow is the day, my son. The three months will be up. Your silly marriage contract with that gypsy singer can be forgotten. Ronald, you're not listening to your father. No, no, mother. I was watching Lord Boniface's wife. She just walked into the garden alone. <laughs> now, now, your promise to another. Although I must say I don't blame any man for watching the Lady Boniface. She's lovely. She's one of the most charming guests we've ever had at the palace. Now, if you had gone through a civil ceremony with someone like that... Excuse me, Mother. Father, I must speak to her while she's alone. I must talk to you. I, I was just going in, Ronald. I came out here looking for my husband. Why did you marry Lord Boniface? Oh, what's the good of talking about it? I'm married. You are about to be married. There's nothing more to be said. Then the promises we made, the life that we planned to share means nothing to you. Oh, it's a lovely dream, Ronald. And a lovely memory. Merry dance and gleaming tresses, flashing glance and soft caresses, all the rapture love can know. Where are the seed of splendor, of rivalry and love for free? In old unutterably tender, we were born, you Of mirth and rapture, oh, memory of love's first kiss. In dreams alone can we recapture sweet bliss, such supreme bliss. Dream once again, never. I can't think of her as his wife, Father. Come, children. No one else has seen you. Let's return to the ball and forget this. What's going on out here? Oh, Lord Boniface, I apologize for my son's conduct. He was kissing your wife. Edwin. Bonnie, will you please take me home? No, I... I don't think I will. King Edwin, this lady is not my wife. Bonnie. She isn't your wife. What do you mean? Silver wanted to see you just once more, Ronald. Before you married the Countess. So she asked me if I would present her as my wife. And King Edwin, the lady has every right to kiss your son. She's his wife. If they have a religious ceremony before midnight. And we're going to have it. This is the girl who I forbid it. No son of mine shall marry a cabaret singer. Sire, if you will forgive me, I think you're in no position to make such a statement. All of us, I shall have you beheaded for such impertinence. Nonsense, Edwin. Lord Boniface has a perfect right to say what he did. Go on, Boniface. Tell all of them. Hey, Ronald, you remember I once told you that you were a great deal like your father? Well, your mother was a singer. A great star. Before your father married. Your mother was the widow of a count. Hmm. Before I married the count, I was a cabaret singer, and you know it. And if my son's happiness is at stake, it's time the rest of the world knew... If you refuse to give your blessings to this marriage, I shall tell the entire kingdom who I am. Oh, bravo, Your Highness. Mother, you're wonderful. And now, Edwin, I think you'd better go in and explain to the Countess Dowd. 
Ronald. I... I... No, let Ronald do it. <laughs> no, Father, I haven't time. Sylph and I are going to make arrangements for our religious ceremony. Right now. Oh, darling, do you really think it's wise? Why? I think it's wise, wonderful, the greatest thing that ever happened. then, don't you? They live happily ever after. Yamina Novotna will be back in just a moment. Our thanks to the other members of our cast, Norma Varden, Howard McNair, Marvin Miller, and to our entire company. Gypsy Princess with music by Emmerich Kalman, book by Arthur Miller and lyrics by Arthur Stanley, was dramatized for the Railroad Hour by Gene Holloway. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this time by the American Railroad. To help meet the nation's demand for graduate nurses, including the growing requirements of the armed forces, at least 50,000 young women are needed as student nurses this year. If you're a high school graduate or college student, and if you're interested in a career of great prestige, opportunity, and service to humanity, visit your nearest hospital, school of nursing, or school advisor, and find out about the many attractive opportunities for a career and for self-development which nursing offers young women. Now here again is Miss Novotna. Yarmila, you are a wonderful and exciting gypsy princess. <laughs> Thank you, Gordon. You, Father, was certainly a problem tonight. I never thought I'd get you. Well, times have changed. Nowadays, any young man's father would be glad to have his son marry a singer like you. <laughs> That's what my father-in-law always said. <laughs> <laughs> what girl are you after next week, Gordon? Evelyn Case, I think. She's uh, definitely going to be our guest star. But in the show, the boys from Syracuse, I, I, I sort of get so confused that I'm not even sure who I am. Oh, I'll bet you find out in time for a happy ending. I'll certainly be listening to you in this case and all of that wonderful music. Well, thank you and good night, Yarmina. And thanks again for being with us. All aboard! Well, folks, it looks as though we're ready to pull out and so until next week. This is Gordon McRae saying goodbye.
Princess was presented by arrangement with the Tams Whitmark Music Library. Gordon McRae appeared through the courtesy of Warner Brothers. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. This is Marvin Miller saying goodbye until next week for the American Railroad. Now keep tuned for your Monday night of music on NBC. Transcribed, your Monday of music continues with the telephone hour next on NBC.